welcome back to Above the Yellow Line, the show where we talk all about the NASCAR Cup Series. And today we're going to talk about the Ruoff Mortgage 500 that showed Young Gun dominance at the track that day at Phoenix Raceway. So we'll talk about that and then we'll preview next weekend's race at Atlanta Motor Speedway. A little nervous about it, but we'll get into it. So without further ado, let's get to it. I don't know about you all, but going into Phoenix Raceway, I did not see this winner happening whatsoever, but Chase Briscoe, Young Gun, took the cake on Sunday Phoenix Raceway and won the Ruoff Mortgage 500. He becomes NASCAR's 200th different winner in the series. Pretty exciting stuff. And then Chastain with another top three finish, finishing in second. And then Reddick is your guy in third. Though he was strong in many of these races, he just got a season best finish in third after finishing seventh last weekend in Vegas. And then Blaney with the winning car was again caught in misfortune with pit road issues with a speeding penalty early on and then a tire issue, but he bounced back to finish in P4. And Kirk Busch, the guy struggled. I didn't see him getting a top 10 finish, let alone a top five finish. The Toyotas as a whole had some misfortune, I guess this race to say, and had some issues, whether it was tire, whether it was mechanical, whether it was just they didn't have the speed that they were looking for at Phoenix. Kurt Busch somehow managed to save the race for them and he finished in P5. Then Kevin Harvick came back to finish in sixth position. We all know that Phoenix is Harvick's wheelhouse. I mean, heck, Harvicking, Harvicking around the bottom line of the track, sticking the tires to the glue of that bottom line is what Harvick is known for best. And he actually showed up. I mentioned in my last podcast that last year we were concerned because as soon as Harvick did poorly at the first Phoenix race last year, we were all pretty concerned for not just him, but SHR as a whole. And obviously SHR delivered today. He finished stage one in P8 and then stage two in P3. And not to mention that Harvick now ties Dale Earnhardt Sr. and Richard Petty with the most consecutive top 10 finishes at a single track with 18 at Phoenix while the King and the Intimidator got their 18 consecutive top 10s at North Wilkesboro. To round out your top 10 is Kyle Busch, Joey Logano, Daniel Suarez, another young gun in the top 10, and also Chris Busher rounding out the top 10. He posted after the race that he was sitting around P13 and then there was, a, I think, a spin with Austin Dillon that happened that got him into the top 10. Nevertheless, a great finish for him for Roush Fenway Kozlowski Racing. There are two talking points I want to mention. First off, Phoenix. We're going to see this racetrack again at the championship race. Now, I think it's too soon to tell. I was thinking about this before I went to record this, that, wow, we're going to really see who's going to struggle at Phoenix and who's going to really strive at Phoenix this weekend. And it's going to translate to the last race of the season. And that's not true. I had to stop myself before I thought it just because, I mean, we're, we're going to see these drivers figure out the next gen car, right? So we have to wait. And this is race four out of 36 in the season. So it's too soon to tell who's going to really do well when we get to the last race of the year. However, if Chase Briscoe is able to make it to the championship four, which I, I don't see happening, but you know, stranger things have happened. He seems to have a leg up over the rest. Now, if Kevin Harvick is able to somehow make it back and then go to the championship floor, like, you know, redeem himself a little bit from last season, and I think he could do well. We saw him strive. We saw him kind of back in his old Harvick habits at Phoenix. So I think that's a positive thing to look at there. Now, the drivers I am concerned about and that I will mention later in the podcast is Joe Gibbs Racing. The Toyotas have won zero races so far this season, and that's pretty concerning just knowing the Toyotas have been pretty dominant the last few years. And now we're seeing a little bit of a drought. Like I said, again, this is four races into the season. We had Daytona, we had the you know, Speed Week, and we had the LA Coliseum. Fine. And I know Kyle Busch probably would have won the LA Coliseum race if it weren't for like issues, but 
still I'm a little concerned. I expected them to do a lot better at Phoenix and especially Martin Truex Jr. He was taken out, I believe due to a mechanical issue or no, he wrecked out. So I was expecting him to do much better. I'm very glad I didn't choose him to win the race because I would have finished last and above the line points. And we'll look at that in a second. But I think a big focus needs to be let's not let's not pre-plan what's going to happen at Phoenix just yet. Let's hold off, but let's kind of have a little bit of a concern for Jugkins Racing. So I mentioned the above the line point standings. We haven't looked at them in a while, so let's take a look at them now. I am leading. I am leading with 14 points after I chose Ryan Blaney to win this race. Clearly, he did not win the race, as we mentioned, but he finished the best of the rest. Brandon Lowe is at 12 points in second place after he chose Kyle Larson to win the race. Obviously, Kyle Larson did not finish the race after he had a mechanical issue with the car. Then in third place, just by a one-point difference from Dom, is Adam. He chose William Byron to win the race. He had a strong car early on, just wasn't able to hold on to it after a late race caution with, I believe, about 10 to go. And he has eight points now. And then Don, he gained a lot of points choosing Kyle Busch to win this race. But again, he is back in seventh. So I don't want to speak too early, but things are looking a little promising after four races. Yet again, it's anybody's game this early in the season for the above the yellow line point standings. I also want to remind you guys to do the above the yellow line NASCAR fantasy app picks. We do that, of course, every weekend. The standings are there. You can see how everyone's doing, but it'd be so cool if you guys can join in on that. So make sure to go to the NASCAR app, go to the, I believe, the fantasy tab on that app, search the above the yellow line, and you can join our fantasy league. So pretty cool stuff. I mentioned there is a second part to our Phoenix discussion, and that is the youth movement in NASCAR. We saw drivers like Chase Elliott, Ryan Blaney, Tyler Reddick, Daniel Suarez, Eric Jones, who am I forgetting? All these other youth drivers in the Xfinity series nearly like, what, five, six, seven years ago? And now they are Cup Series stars or to be stars. I don't want to get too ahead of myself, but we're seeing them contend for wins this season. Obviously, Chase Briscoe win. Austin Sindrick, Daytona 500 win. We're seeing Tyler Reddick get really close to that win. Daniel Suarez, Ross Chastain, Trackhouse teammates contending for wins as well. And it is so refreshing, I think, just to see different names towards the top of the leaderboard, but also seeing some unexpected names. And we obviously, I feel like, have to contribute this to the next-gen car and how quickly they are able to adapt to it, like I mentioned earlier. I'm really curious if we're going to see a lot more youth drivers in the championship fight this year into the playoffs that might kick some of the older drivers out. Now, I don't know who it's going to kick out yet. My prediction is I thought I have in my preseason bracket that Brad Keselowski is going to make it into the playoffs. Unless he wins at a super speedway track, I don't see his car or his team right now really having the speed they need. Chris Buescher has had some good weekends, but unless Brad Keselowski wins at a super speedway track, I see him kind of getting cut out of the championship fight. I'm not really sure what other drivers, I think Harvick has enough of a strong showing so far that he could make his way in for sure. And he's always a guy that seems to make it in like at the last minute, but I see more of the youth drivers making their way into the championship fight this year. Cause I think we're going to have more surprise winners. We have had four different winners so far this season with race point races, I guess words, but regardless, I think we're going to see Ross Chastain win, potentially. I've already said Tyler Reddick. I think he's going to win this season. Cole Custer, maybe, not sure, maybe. I know he won at Kentucky Speedway two years ago. I don't think, I don't know if he's going to win this year. He can prove me wrong, though. I am welcome to it. But, I mean, a William Byron win, I think that's going to happen. So, we're going to have to see how this youth does. And I'm really curious at the end of the season to compare the stats. How many wins did drivers under 30 have? Because we are on 10 consecutive races of drivers that are under the age of 30 winning, which is really impressive. So, I'm curious how that stat's going to look at the end of the season. But so far, four points paying races, 
four different winners, all under the age of 30 so far. So we'll have to see, but the youth movement is looking pretty strong so far in 2022. Now it is time to give the coveted award the Above the Line MVP of the week from Phoenix Raceway. And I gotta say, I struggled with this one a little bit for the LVP, the MVP. Gosh, that was a no-brainer. I'll just say it right now. It was Chase Briscoe. I mean, how can you not? Dude pretty much dominated a lot of the race, ended up winning, was able to, like, keep on top of the pressure. Because I think if it was any other driver, and I hate to say Redick in this case, because I will say his win is coming. I've said it so many times this podcast and outside the show. But I feel like he might have choked at the last minute or something might have happened. Now, Chase Briscoe was calm, cool, and collected. Tony Stewart knew exactly what he was doing, putting Chase Briscoe in that car. Um, that, I got that 14 back here. I'm wearing a Tony Stewart shirt, um, if that tells you anything. But he was able to live up to the number 14 and really prove to his team that he has what it takes to win. And I think with as dominant as a car as he's had so far this season, or at least a consistent car, I mean, they all need to work on consistency. But maybe another race win that's a little bit of a stretch perhaps I'm not really sure but regardless some really good stuff from Chase Briscoe there and I'm excited to see what he does the rest of the season now for the LVP I hate to end on this because you know that's it's pretty negative but for the LVP of this week I didn't want to go with Ryan Blaney again we all know he has bad luck that's it but I'm gonna go with a little bit of a controversial one maybe I'm gonna choose Chase Elliott as this week's LVP and hear me out he was doing okay during the race. He was kind of not, he was, he had the lead at one point, which is fantastic, but then pit crew didn't execute correctly. He spun out and I just feel like he's racing so far this season, though he might've led some laps, has been a little sloppy from what I expect from Chase Elliott and the Hendrick Motorsports camp as a whole. I mean, heck, Alex Bowman's won a race, Kyle Larson's won a race. I want to see more from Chase Elliott, who was dominating the team just a few years ago. So Hoping to see more for him as the season goes on. And I know we have road courses coming up, and I think that'll be good, but I want to see him come back at these oval tracks, and I hope we do. To close out the Ruroff Mortgage 500 recap, let's look at rating this race above or below the yellow line. You all know how it works. 50% on the line means it was okay, kind of forgettable race. Below is not what we want. We want to be above that line. I will tell you, I like this race better than Vegas, which I think is a controversial take because I don't feel like a lot of people felt that way. But let's look at what you thought. So on a Twitter poll, I had you fill out. Only 13% of you said this race was great, which is very counterintuitive to what you said with Vegas. 53% of you said it was good. 22 said okay. And excuse my typo, you guys. 12% of you said men, not men, men. But you know, I think you all knew what I meant, so I apologize. Typos are difficult, you guys. Grammar is hard, but that is okay. We're working through it. Regardless to say, I kind of agree with you on the good side of this. Like, like I said, this wasn't great, and I rated Vegas pretty poorly. I rated it, I believe, like a 50% because I just wasn't sure how I thought. This week's race, I got to give this one a 67%, and I think a lot of that had to do with how the end of this race happened. We had three drivers in the Cup Series without Cup Series win fighting for their first win in the series. So I thought that was pretty entertaining, and they all showed promise. It wasn't like one guy was going to get away, and Chase Briscoe clearly had the stronger car, but Chastain and Reddick were able to kind of keep up with him, which was pretty exciting. So... To, because of that, I, that raised my score a little bit, but I got to give this one a 67% for the Ruroff Mortgage 500. All right, so we've recapped the Ruroff Mortgage 500. Now it's time to preview next weekend's race, the one I'm a little nervous about. It is the Folds of Honor Quick Trip 500 at Atlanta Motor Speedway, the new Atlanta Motor Speedway, all reconfigured. We'll see how it goes. So let's start with our track facts. The new track length for Atlanta Motor Speedway is 1.5 miles long. The race length is 325 laps or 500 miles. 
Stage one is 105 laps, same with stage two, and the final stage is 115 laps. Pretty different than what we're used to, so let's go to lining up the odds for this race, seeing how these drivers might do this weekend. Again, it's a different configuration, so we're not really sure what's going to happen. Regardless, let's look at the numbers. The last driver to win at this track in the spring was Ryan Blaney, and in the fall was Kurt Busch. The active driver with the most track wins here is Kurt Busch with four. The active driver with the best average finish at this track is Ryan Blaney. It is a Ryan Blaney and Kurt Busch sandwich here with an average finishing position of 12.43. The team with the most wins, though, does not come from either of those teams. That's Hendrick Motorsports with 14. And finally, the wins by manufacturer Chevrolet with 41. Ford with 34 and Toyota with 7. All this information coming from RacingReference.com. To close out this recap, it's now time to do to watch and to worry. This is where I choose two drivers to watch and two drivers to worry about. Could be teams, could be issues, etc. But I figured this is the way to go since we haven't seen practice and qualifying for this track yet. Or even in general, now that practice and qualifying are back, I think it's only fair to wait until then to choose our race winning picks. So let's start with the negative. I think I learned my lesson from last time. Here is my to worry. I mentioned this earlier in the episode, but Joe Gibbs Racing, I'm going to worry about this weekend. One, it's a super speedway track. They're going to have to really figure out which manufacturer they want to team up with to be able to have a shot at winning. Obviously, the Daytona, they actually did pretty decently well, kind of flip-flopping, I think, between teaming up with the Fords and teaming up with the Chevys. I think they did all right, but regardless, they haven't had consistency so far this season, and with the malfunctioning issues of the cars and the tire issues that they've had, and I mean, the whole field has had, honestly, but... I'm going to be worried about them. I want them to pick it up a little bit this weekend, and I hope they can figure something out. And if it's not this weekend, I hope very soon, but I would like to see them finishing more where they start the races or at least having less issues. Now, the drivers I'm going to watch. Guys, I can't pick one. It's everybody. I'm going to see how everybody does at this new configuration of Atlanta Motor Speedway. There's deeper banking. It is more a speedway. We're also going to be looking at that double yellow line rule. I'm thinking, according to Bob Pockrass on Twitter, that this is going to be a rule that NASCAR sets for the weekend. You can't dip below the yellow line. Hilarious. It goes with the podcast. How serendipitous. But we're going to have to see how that works because this is going to be something new that all the drivers are going to have to figure out. I will say we're going to have to watch our super speedway pros. I'm thinking Brad Keselowski, Ryan Blaney has shown promise at the super speedways. I'm thinking Bubba Wallace might do well, just knowing how he does at Talladega and at Daytona. So we'll have to see which teams can figure it out, which drivers can figure it out, and if it resembles at all a super speedway that we're used to. Regardless, I'm anxious, I'm nervous, I'm scared, a little excited. More so, I'm going into this weekend, as we sh all should, watching and then waiting to give my reaction. I'm not, I'm not, dogging on the idea of this new configuration until I see how it actually works. So we'll see who's to watch, who's to worry about this weekend. We will only know after the race. So let's see if these drivers can stay above the yellow line this weekend at Atlanta Motor Speedway for the Folds of Honor Quick Trip 500. And with that, that has been this episode of Above the Yellow Line, the show where we talk all about the NASCAR Cup Series. And this weekend, we have all the series racing at Atlanta Motor Speedway, trucks, and Xfinity on Saturday, and then of course Cup on Sunday. So I'm very excited to see that. I'm also excited to see what else we have in store for you on our social media pages. So make sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter for the latest updates from us here at Above the Yellow Line on when we post and the latest NASCAR news updates as well. Also follow us there for race day polls and fun interactive topics for us all to discuss. 
then make sure to follow us on Twitch for streaming on most Fridays where we play some fun NASCAR games from our past and our present. We talk about them and we talk about topics from my love of McDonald's to what's going to happen to the race this Sunday. So make sure to follow us there as well. All of these linked in the description below, but before you check those out, make sure to like this video, subscribe to the channel, share this with your friends and family, and guys, thank you so much for watching this episode of Above the Line, and until next time, I'll see ya.